You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Maybe you're at a, a one as a Christian. Maybe you're at a four. Maybe you're at a six. What's it going to take? Because you don't want to stay the same. You don't want to get in that routine. And the next birthday, you go, I don't think I'm any different than I was last year. I'm never closer to Jesus this year. I'm not any more mature. You don't want that to happen in your life. Time is ticking. Jesus is coming. The hour has come. Wake up from your slumber. Do you spiritually feel like you're living the same year over and over? In today's message from Pastor Danny, he encourages you to wake up from your spiritual slumber. Don't be content anymore with doing the same routines as you have been. Push to grow yourself in your walk with the Lord. Pastor Danny explains that you don't want to stay the same. You want your walk with Christ to always be deepening and widening. Ask the Lord this week about the ways in which you can grow more and more with Him. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 13 as he continues his message, Submission, Love, and Perspective. It's the early disciples when they're preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. The Supreme Court calls them before the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court of their day tells them, You can no longer teach or preach in the name of Jesus. And here's what they say to the Supreme Court You judge for yourselves whether it's right for us to obey you, a God ordained authority, or God. Because God had told them, Go and proclaim the name of Jesus. And so now the God-ordained authority is superseded by the ultimate authority, the very God who created the authority to start with. And so if the government told me as a pastor, you can no longer preach and teach in the name of Jesus. God help me. I, I intend to be just like those early disciples that you decide for yourselves then whether it's right for me to obey you or obey God. So when God's command supersedes the God-ordained authority, I'm to obey God. It's a scriptural exception. The second exception is when it violates moral and ethical principles of the Bible. You're working somewhere. You have a job. And in that job, you are called upon to be deceitful in order to make money for the company. And in essence, what you're doing is lying. You're lying. And as a Christian, now you have a responsibility. And in fulfilling your responsibility to the Lord, in being obedient, thou shalt not lie. Don't use deception. And if you obey God, you may lose your job. Yes, indeed, you may lose your job. But God will take care of you. You know, in a relationship, 
and you're married. And you, as a wife, have become a Christian. Your husband's not a Christian now. And now you've been cheating on your taxes for years. This is a real challenge. Now in the marriage, you're like, I'm going to cause more problems in the marriage as a Christian? Perhaps. But you're going to have to make a decision now as a Christian. And you're going to have to be honest with your spouse. Those are very difficult situations. Listen, it was difficult for the early disciples. You know, the time when Paul pens the book of Romans, guess who's ruling? Nero. You talk about some difficult situations to submit and then to obey God rather than men. So, exceptions. When God's command supersedes God-ordained authority, when it, authority, when it violates moral and ethical principles, number three, when it involves idolatry. Most of us are familiar with Daniel 3. It's the three guys that were friends of Daniel. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar is ruling. He makes a big statue representing himself, and he says, Now, everybody under my realm, when the band starts playing, you bow before the statue. You worship the statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow. And they are called before King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, Is it true? You didn't bow? Listen, I got a fiery furnace, and if you don't bow, you're going into the fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, We want you to know, O king. It is true, we will have not bowed, we will not bow. The God we serve is able to save us from the fiery furnace. But even if he does not, we will not commit idolatry. We won't bow to any God except the God of heaven. So, there are scriptural exceptions. So now, I'll just throw that scripture in. They tried to trick Jesus often. One of the times is in Matthew 22, verses 17 to 21, and they say, hey, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus says, bring me a coin. If you know the story, they bring him a coin, and he says, whose inscription is that on the coin? Well, it's Caesar's. Then give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and to God what's God's. And that leads us right into the next Section, Romans 13, verse 8. Notice how he opens here. Understanding the principle, submission to all God-ordained authority. And now he says, let no debt remain outstanding. That's the context of paying taxes, respect, honor, etc. Let no debt remain outstanding. Except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Stop there for just a minute. So we have the principle, submission, and the idea is submission to God is going to manifest itself in submission to God-ordained authority. But now what he's dealing with here is the motive. And the motive is so, so important. Let me take you just for a minute to Matthew again, but this time in Matthew chapter 22. You just wrote down the last one, but let's take a look at this one. Matthew 22 and verse 35. An expert in the law tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? 
And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, all the scriptures hang on these two commandments. So what he's saying is you can sum up everything God had to say in the Bible with these two commandments. Love God. Love your fellow man. Here's the statement. Right relationship to God manifests itself in a right relationship to man. If I'm not being obedient to my parents, I'm not being obedient to God. If I'm cheating on my taxes, I'm not in submission to God. If I'm doing shady deals in the workplace, not only am I cheating people, I'm not living in submission to God. So you can't have one without the other. You can't say, well, I love God, and you're failing in your love for humanity. You can't say, I, they don't deserve my respect. Whoa, 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 whoa. Then you can't say you really love God because he tells us to respect and honor even those we might disagree with. Even those as far as their person, they're not worthy of it, but in terms of their position, it's required. When I was studying, my mind immediately went back to one of the devotions that I read from Oswald Chambers. This little devotional called My Utmost for His Highest that most of you know, some of you have used. I still use it after my regular Bible reading. And I remember because it was one of those devotionals that really stuck, that really was that nugget that I took from that season in life, and I remember it. I remember it, and I remember right away. And I went back in my study on this point of what's the motive for my submission. And it's Oswald, February 23rd. I'll just read you the heart of it. The mainspring of Paul's service is not love for men, but love for Jesus Christ. If we're devoted to the cause of humanity, we shall soon be crushed and brokenhearted, for we shall often meet with more ingratitude from men than we would from a dog. But if our motive is to love God, no ingratitude can hinder us from serving our fellow man. And he closes this way. No matter how men may treat me, they will never treat me with the spite and hatred with which I treated Jesus Christ. When we realize that Jesus Christ has served us to the end of our meanness, our selfishness, and sin, nothing that we meet with from others can exhaust our determination to serve men for his sake. And here's the way John, the apostle, wrote it. Ready? Say it with me. Come on, say it with me. We love because he first loved us. One more time. You ready? We love because he first loved us. So I keep myself in right relationship with God, then my motive in some very difficult situations in life, to live in submission, to live in obedience, to live in respect and honor. My motive is my love for the Lord. And now we have one last section, and boy, does he pull it all together. Back in Romans 13, now verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. New King James Version, I looked at that, it says, 
it's high time to awake out of sleep because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Boy, how true is that? The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And he's been talking about submission, submission to God-ordained authority, ultimately submission to God, love for your fellow man. But now, now look how he closes it. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. And now he mentions some things he hasn't even talked about, not even really a part of the main subject matter, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, in debauchery, loose living, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So now he brings it all together, and now he's just talking about lifestyle and purity of life, submission to God, love for your, your fellow man, and then living a lifestyle pleasing to the Lord. I turned 63 last Thursday. And something, if I was young, and somebody said to you, if you're young, what I'm about to say, wouldn't really make much difference. But I'm going to tell you something. I went from 19 years old to 63 years old like that. And one day, if God allows you to celebrate your 63rd birthday, maybe you'll remember what I just said. And you, you know what you're going to think? You're going to think, I, could, I didn't believe it then. I didn't really pay attention then. But I, somehow I remember that pastor saying, I went from 19 to 63 like that. And here's what you'll find. So many things you would have done differently, but you can't go back. And that's when I think of my geography teacher. Never learned a thing about geography. But I've mentioned her before. And every morning she would write on the blackboard, every morning, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And guess what? I got less after this past Thursday than I've lived. I'm probably not going to live to be 126. Most of my life, is done. Here's how he closes it. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because you standing before Jesus is closer today than it was yesterday or the day before or last birthday. And here's how I put it in my notes. This is the perspective. First, you have the principle, submission, ultimately to God. And my submission to God determines how I relate to humanity. Submitting to God-ordained authorities. Submitting to God when God-ordained authority says, don't obey God, then it's better for me to obey God than to obey the God-ordained authority. And my motive in that, my motive in that, my motive is not to please men. My motive is to please God. And this is the perspective. What is it? Here's how I write it out. Time's ticking, man. You know how many people I've talked to as a pastor? I've been pastoring a long time. And people that are now older, and they, they, they regret. They regret things they would have done, decisions they would have made, but they didn't make it. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. The hour between 11 a.m. and 12.15-ish. Right now, right here. I like messages that calls for a decision. 
a decision that will make a difference in our life. I led the church for years as a pastor when I wasn't leading my family at home. It's time, Dad. Wake up from your slumber. The word means to be idle, be inactive, to be negligent, negligent. What decision that you know you want to make, you know you need to make, but you haven't made it. And you can make it now because time's ticking. Jesus is coming. There's a lot of things about COVID-19 I do not like, but there's one thing I love. There's one thing I love about COVID-19. You know what it is? Every day I have to deal with the things related to COVID-19. As a person and as a pastor, I'm reminded every single day, Luke 21, verse 11, Luke 21, verse 11, Luke 21, verse 11. It's one of the clear, direct, specific things that Jesus mentioned as a sign of his soon coming, pestilence. And that's exactly what it is. And it's not localized. It's not just in America. It's not just in some country. It's global. God's speaking to the world. And he's saying, I'm coming. Here's a sign. I don't know if you pay attention to earthquakes. Very recently, very, I listen. I, when there's another earthquake, I go, oh, man. There's an, and they're happening in places where we've never had earthquakes before. The other week, in the same day, I don't know if you caught this, there was an earthquake on this side of the planet and an earthquake on the absolute opposite side of the planet. And I thought, that's God, man. Is he speaking or what? And I'm reminded Jesus is coming soon. Time's ticking. You're getting older. And you're going to hit. <laughs> you're going to look back right there and say, how did it go so fast? Life is like a vapor. It's like a mist that appears for a moment, then you're done. And everybody knows eternity is, is real. You're going to live forever going to live forever. Time's ticking. Jesus is coming. The hour has come. The thing you know you, you need to do, the thing you've been intending to do, one day goes into another and one week into another and sometimes one birthday after another and you still haven't taken that step. Years ago, somebody sponsored my wife and I to go to a marriage retreat. It was just for pastors and church leaders and I went because it was free. It was in Orlando at a nice hotel over there, and somebody paid our way and everything. It didn't cost us a dime. And um, <laughs> I was so disappointed after the first session because after the first session, we had to go back to our rooms, just me and my wife and other you know, couples and you'd individually in your own room, and you had to sit, and they had these exercises that you were supposed to do with one another. And it was very personal. And it was very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. And I forget one of the things that came out of that, one of the exercises that we took with us as a Christian couple, and it was this. Of all the things they had us do, the one we started to do on a fairly regular basis, get together with your spouse, sit, and on a scale of 1 to 10, rate your marriage. One is... You're headed for divorce. Ten is, it can't get any better right now. We're on cloud nine. And the wife gets to rate it, and then the husband gets to rate it. Or if you let the husband go first, the husband rates it. And guys, don't go first. Let me tell you, I've learned. 
If she says you can go first, say, no, ladies first. Because here's what happens. 99.999% of the time, the woman will rate it in terms of more reality to what it is. Not because the guy's a liar and a deceiver. He just don't have a clue. And if you go first and you say, I think it's an eight, and she'll go, an eight, it's a three. Don't go first. And then after you rate it, you say honestly, honestly, what would it take? And I would say to my wife, what would it take? If you say it's a four, what would it take for me to do to make it a five? And it was so practical because they were very good about saying, don't, don't say, what will it take to make it a 10? Because then you, you can't do that overnight. You can't do that right away. It doesn't go from a three or a four to a 10 overnight. That's a progression. Guys, come on, help me. That's a progression. Hallelujah. Amen. And so you say, what would it take? What do I need to do? And then you work on building it toward a 10. And that's what we did. My wife's not in the service. I didn't ask her last, but I, if she, anybody see where Wendy is, I'd like to know where we are right now. And that, listen, that's a, that's a courageous thing to do. Sometimes it's a foolish thing to do. But I think if you were to ask her, and if you see her after this service, you ask her, I think she would say, it's a 10. And if she doesn't, it is what it is. And I'll be finding out before the day's out what it'll take to move it up a notch. What would it take? Time is ticking. Jesus is coming. The hour has come. What would it take? What would it take for you to take the step toward maturity, toward obedience, toward submission? Maybe you're in a situation like me. Again, maybe you're in situation and, and you have a stepmom or a stepdad and it's not a good situation. It wasn't for me in the beginning. But when I became a Christian, I remember when I made the decision, I need to respect my stepfather even though I don't really like him. And there are things about him that I, I don't respect, but I'm called to respect him in his position even if I can't respect him as a person. And God changed my heart. And because he changed my heart, he changed our relationship. And who knows how much God used the change in me to bring about in time a change in my stepfather. As a pastor, I was leading the church for years. But when my children were young, I didn't have a time where I'd pull the family together and say, hey, let's just, let's just honor the Lord. And it doesn't have to be deep. You can just get together and read a psalm together. And what I began to do, and my children remember, when I began to do this, and I'd say, you read a couple of verses and the next child read a couple, and you just make it simple. Now, if your children are already grown, you can't go back and repent of that. You can't change that. But you can be a different grandfather. You can be a different grandmother. And they can see someone, and they'll see the change in you. What step do you need to take? Maybe you're at a, a one as a Christian. Maybe you're at a four. Maybe you're at a six. What's it going to take? Look, because you don't want to stay the same. You don't want to get in that routine and the next birthday you go, I don't think I'm any different than I was last year. I'm never closer to Jesus this year. I'm not any more mature. You don't want that to happen in your life. Time is ticking. Jesus is coming. The hour has come. Wake up from your slumber. Forever. 
We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join us in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? Prayer is such a powerful tool against the enemy, and there's much to pray about during these days of speculation, doubt, and fear. Perhaps there's a listener who's really wrestling with all of the uncertainties, and your prayers could be a way to minister to their heart and mind, renewing their faith along the way. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. We're reminded in these New Testament books that God came to earth as a man, just like us, and suffered in ways that we might be suffering currently. But He came to redeem each one of us, and that gives hope beyond what's happening in front of you. Thanks for praying. With that, we've come to the end of our time today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued teaching through this series called New Testament Highlights. We hope you'll tune in again, right here on The Living Word.